Hello, hello, and welcome to my tennis journey. As you're listening today, it would be amazing if you could hit subscribe or follow if you haven't yet had a chance. Now, as I'm sure many of you listening know, clubs lie at the heart of the British tennis community. Thriving clubs equals a thriving local tennis scene. What makes a great club a successful club is a question that I and I'm sure lots of listeners think about as we try and make ours as good as it can be. Today's guest and his club really seem to have got the recipe right. You can tell that in the awards they've been winning. In 2020, his club won the Leicestershire Club of the Year and Junior Club of the Year. And just a few weeks ago, our guest was named Leicestershire Development Coach of the Year and Performance Coach of the Year. He really must be doing something right because some of our Derbyshire juniors even decide to cross the border into Leicestershire to have coaching at his club. A very warm welcome to Alex Guster from Ashby Castle Tennis Club. Good morning, Rob. Thank you. Now, Alex, we've got a new question, a question which we hope is going to kind of enable us to, to get to know a little bit about you before we go on to your tennis journey. So the new question is, tell us something about yourself that people don't kind of generally know. Well... I think a few people know a bit of it, but during the last couple of years, I've had a few problems with my heart. So would randomly kind of collapse and faint from nowhere. Um, and it turned quite entertaining because uh, I was due to have an operation in April, um, which was cancelled because of COVID. So it was at the point where if I did anything that raised my heart, I would collapse. Um, and one of my best mates who coaches at the club, Tom Redfern, had forgotten all about this. And I don't know if you remember, there was the like, nominate five people to run 5k and donate five pounds yes um for the nhs so he nominated me and i thought oh don't be stupid i can't do that and then kind of boredom kicked in a little bit more of lockdown and i thought oh maybe i could just do a bit slowly and i'll put a bit of effort in so uh, i went really slowly and obviously collapsed so got found and taken in and they um then did the operation there and then that had been been cancelled so it worked out brilliantly really because firstly i could um make Tom feel incredibly guilty about putting me in hospital um but but then secondly had the operation done during during lockdown when I was off work and nothing else to do um and then been discharged since then run half a marathon a couple of weeks ago and feel never better wow so this is the first time we've we've asked this question and wow um so you're you're all right now though fine I was discharged about a month ago um been running loads feel good yeah well that is good to hear but I cannot believe that because if there's one person if there's one club who has been unbelievably active throughout the various lockdowns that we've had it's Ashby Castle and you're dealing with that all the time eh? it was perfect timing because I was, I was struggling sort of going into that lockdown on court a little bit and starting to just feed a lot of balls and walk around because it was it was getting more difficult and then to have the operation during lockdown and and not have anything to worry about in a way, just just kind of lie around and watch telly was perfect timing. Uh, yeah, amazing. And you must be so now. You know you, you're in good shape, and you must be excited, just so excited for the 29th of March. Not long now, is it? Been building up to it nicely. Not long to go. Brilliant. Hey, well, I I didn't know the detail of that. So absolutely amazing, and uh, it must have been very scary. It must have been very scary, yeah. Like doing that five yeah. 
it was worse, I think, a few years ago when I didn't know what the problem was and kind of couldn't judge when it was going to come on. So I, I remember doing a session at Loughborough County Training and I'd only just started it. Um, I was doing an under-14 girls session and hit a few balls and felt it coming on and sort of woke up on the floor with them standing around me. And I didn't know them very well at all, so it was pretty bad for them, I think, at the time. Luckily, there was another coach who took over and I went. But, uh, oh, yeah, no, none of that now and all good. Man, well, I'm so glad to hear that the comeback is on and that you're well, <laughs> eh? Now, well, we must go back to the start of your tennis journey. When do you remember first picking up a racket? Yes, I was about nine years old, probably. Um, I used to go down on a Saturday morning to the to the club at Ashby um, and just join in a like a beginner session. Um, and to be honest, never massively enjoyed it, I don't think. I'd sort of go along each week. It wasn't something I looked forward to. It was just what I did and played for an hour and then came home and didn't really think about it till the week after. Um, and then, as you know, Rob, my mum plays a lot and played to a decent standard. Um, and we'd kind of be taken along to watch her and she'd be playing a match and we'd go along and watch. And I, I started to enjoy watching a bit more and there's a practice wall at the club, so she'd be playing and I'd watch and then go off and hit against the wall a bit. And I guess I got to maybe about 12 and started to show a bit more of an interest and I don't know, played twice a week, maybe from that point, um, just in groups and maybe the odd match for the club and that little thing. Um, and then got to, I don't know what happened because I still wasn't hugely into it and just, just did it really. And then got to 13 or 14 and, just started to love it. I really, really enjoyed it. Had a good group of mates there and we'd sort of have a lesson on a Saturday morning and then spend five or six hours playing afterwards and go and get some lunch and then go and play a bit more. It's um, fascinating though, Alex, because it's really interesting to hear you be so honest to say, I didn't enjoy it when I first went along. You know, you weren't really buzzing off it anyway. Yeah, what, yeah. What, no, what, I didn't, didn't not enjoy it, but it wasn't, wasn't like the highlight of the week or anything like that. It was just something to do. And I, I guess if you, I don't know, said to my mum at that point that I was going to make a career of tennis, she'd have been having none of it. Yeah, it was never really. <laughs> and what changed then, Alex? You know, you get to, th which is really interesting that you get into 13, 14, which is when some juniors can stop playing. Yeah. And you stepped it up and started loving it. What? What's that? If we can get that recipe, we're in a good place. <laughs> I think a lot of it was having a good group of friends who played as well. So it was a lot of it was the social in that you know we we'd play for a few hours or we'd go and play a club match together and then go to Nando's after or whatever it was and yeah. all of that sort of stuff and I'm massively competitive at whatever I do so as I was playing and I was competing a little bit I guess I kind of thought oh if I'm gonna play competitively then I need to get better because I'm not very good at doing things that I'm not very good at um so I guess it came from that a lot and yeah, just just really enjoyed it from that point onwards. And did it step up at that point? Starting, you're saying you're competitive. Did you play a lot of tournaments and that kind of thing? Yeah, I probably would have started playing playing a few more singles tournaments. And I started to play for the men's teams at Ashby as well, which was really good for me. Um, and something I think's think's a really good thing to do. Um, so a lot of it was was team tennis, and then I'd go off and play maybe one tournament a month, maybe, and a, a few more in the summer. Um, but again, a lot of those would be, oh, can we go as a bit of a group and have fun and play the match? And then 
and mess about in between, ready for the next round. So it's sociability, isn't it? And it's something that as coaches in terms of, it seems a strange one, doesn't it? Like sociability of bunches of friends getting mates together. Perhaps it's not at the top of the list, but maybe it should be because that's what kept you in the game, kept you enjoying your love of the game grew. Yeah, definitely. And it was that I loved competing as well and, and still do now. I don't massively enjoy playing for the sake of it now, but if there's a match at the end of the week, I would play through the week so that I could win the match. That would be the idea. So there was always a big part of that that I wanted to be playing as well as I could because I didn't want to feel like I could have done better. Yeah. Um, but yeah, a huge part of it was to enjoy it and, and the social side of it. Were you, were you playing at school? Really? No. Um, I don't remember it all playing at primary school. And then secondary school, we maybe had two or three PE lessons in the five years I was there um, on these rubbish old courts that were pretty uneven. And no, it wasn't proper tennis. I would have just been messing about, I imagine. Um, I'm so excited, Alex, about this new LTA youth schools programme and, and the teachers uh, getting some training, the school getting a voucher mm -hmm. that can be spent on the coaching or the equipment. Something you're excited about? Yeah, massively. We've just spent the last week contacting all of our local primary schools and it's such a good deal, isn't it, from the LTA that it it's a massive waste not to do it. I think for, for both us as coaches and the schools to do it, it seems a win-win. So hopefully that'll bring a lot more players in as well from the younger age. So excited about that. And it, it's got to, hasn't it? If we can get the children playing at school, then it will feed into the clubs. And when they've got a, a club like your good selves at Ashby Castle, then they're going to hopefully enjoy it and start that journey, make the friends and keep on coming on. Yeah, um, exactly. The, yeah. The more, the more you can get in at five, six, seven, then the more you can have all the way through, aren't you? Brilliant. Highlights of the junior career, anything that stands out? Um, I did okay in a few kind of grade threes here and there and that sort of thing. Um, I guess the biggest, event I played I played in it's called the British Colleges tournament so I went to sixth form um and they have it's played at Bath University and have every sport there over the weekend um and you, you have kind of regional qualifiers and then get through to it and we got through to the nationals two years in a row um so I would have been 17 I guess at the time and that I really enjoyed that that was good fun um and again, to play with team mates again, isn't it? It's team tennis. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I guess a lot of my best results probably came when I was younger, playing playing in the men's matches. I'd play like the men's national club league and we'd go away to wherever and I'd be playing at number four against, I don't know, some 25-year-old who was pretty good. And I think just being in part of that team helped me to play a bit better. I love that. And then, you know, the idea of getting juniors into, into men's teams. Um, Andrew Jarrett, former Davis Cup player, uh, was on the podcast and he talked about this and he started playing in an adult team at a very early age. And why not? You know, as Andy was saying, you're, you're learning to play against lots of different styles and you're part of a team. Something we're, uh, we're really trying to do this year coming. So our men's second and third teams are going to be kind of half juniors of 13, 14 years old. And like you say, for them to learn how to play some doubles and just the social side of that as well, of like, communicating with adults and sorting the transport to get there and maybe not this year, but doing food afterwards and all that kind of stuff. I think it's really good to learn from that age. And also the, the older members love it because they've got someone who can run around a little bit for them. So it seems a win-win. Makes me beam that. Can't wait to get that going. Brilliant. Um, plan, was it always the plan to become a tennis coach? <laughs> no, not at all. Um, I started helping the head coach at the club when I was probably 14, 15, just helping in a few groups. And then, uh, he brought in a 
buddy hitting system. So I'd kind of hit with some of the younger juniors and give them a chance to practice whatever they were practicing. Um, and I, I enjoyed it, but it was more being sort of around the club. I enjoyed being at the club and, and it was that. So that's why I did it. Um, so I went, I did my A-levels. Um, and the plan was always to go to university and first year of A-levels worked really hard whilst doing the odd bit of coaching. And then kind of that summer at the end of my first year, did loads of coaching through the summer holiday and really started to enjoy it and went back to do my second year of A-levels, but would be kind of spending my free periods nipping off to do a lesson rather than revising and got more and more into coaching, went for a few kind of university open days and wasn't really that inspired. And yeah, kind of don't want to say fell into it, but but enjoyed it a lot more than anything else I was doing. So So went with that. That love was there. That passion was there. Why not? Eh? It's, I think it's so important in life that if you can work in something that you enjoy and you're passionate about, you're going to enjoy your work. Yeah, definitely. And it, it is still that now. You just do things that I enjoy and it makes you better at them as well. I think if you're enjoying what you're doing. Come on. Now, I know, I mean, you've been at Ashby Castle since being a young lad. Um, I'd love now to talk about what makes, you know, a great club setup. Ashby Castle, Club of the Year, Junior Club of the Year at the Leicestershire Tennis Awards back in 2020. What, in your mind, makes a great tennis club, Alex? Yeah, giving this a bit of thought, I think there's a few things. I think kind of understanding that there's lots of different reasons people play tennis, so it's not all the same reason, and then being able to offer something for all the different groups, so whether that's... um, kind of the social side and people want to come down play some doubles with the friends once a week or for fitness reasons or to be competing at a national level whatever it is I think a good club needs to be able to offer something for for all of those people um I think that the coaching program is probably quite a big part of it that I mean for it can only really speak about Ashby but the members generally are really supportive of us and love seeing the amount of children who are playing and the level that they're playing at and that kind of mutual respect between the two works really well. And I think the communication between a committee and um, and the members to let them know what's going on. And then being able to kind of look for new ways to improve all the time. Um, so I think you, you could easily I think, oh, we're doing quite a good job and just be comfy with that and, and sit still. But trying to find new ways of of keeping people involved and getting more different people involved, I think is, uh, is quite important. And that's the recipe, eh? That's the recipe. If there's one, you know, if there's one super ingredient, one tip for all those clubs around the country about how they can improve their setup, if you had to pick one, what would it be? I think it would be that, that you're trying to find something new all the time to do. And if it doesn't work, then scrap it and start again. But, I think trying to find some new initiative or new way of getting more people involved or the people who are involved, giving them an extra option of something different to do. Um, is good. I mean, one, one of the ones we've done recently that worked really well was, um, did you see the Battle of the Brits? I think there's another yes. one coming up. So we, we had our own um, Clash of the Castle, which was uh, kind of the same thing. So we had two teams and rather than it just being, because the idea was we wanted a tournament on that weekend um, for our members to play because... Uh, normal tournaments weren't on so we put this on and had two teams um union jacks against the bulldogs and got a couple of the coaches to captain a team each and it was singles and doubles um the coaches could go on court and give advice as we went round. and we had like 
flags up and players had air horns to support their teams and all this stuff. Um, and I think just trying to find new ways of achieving what you want, but doing it in a fun way to get lots of people involved. So we we did that and we had, I think, 22 juniors or something. And we're doing another one on Easter Saturday now, um, which has got just over 30 signed up. So, yeah, just just different it's ideas, lo- I think. It's, it's a lovely idea. I love the way it's it's just as a name, you know, as a name. A name matters in things, eh? Clash of the Castle. You know, it's Clash <laughs> of the Castle. It could be something out of WWE, you know. It's got that, yes, I'm on the Clash of the Castle. You know, it's... I think it's a lovely idea, and it, and um, and I, I, you could tell it was really successful. I, I think that's that's something that you know I'll look into, and maybe we could get a clash of the castle versus the Church Broughton, uh, the Ashby Castle versus the Church Broughton Invaders, or something, and do it on a club by club basis. Sounds good to me, Rob. The castle against the church. <laughs> I need I need to get my thinking cap on of how we can come up with a good name. Uh, it's such a such a great idea that, and uh, try something new. Don't be afraid to fail. You know, it's not not every idea is going to work, but if you get one that does, then brilliant. Yeah, massively. We've, we've probably had some shockers over the years that we've tried once and not done again, but it's then just finding something that does work, isn't it? Now, coaching wise, I mean. Congratulations on being named Development and Performance Coach of the Year for, for Leicestershire just a few weeks ago. From a coaching perspective, Alex, what, what do you think makes a great development coach, first of all? I think keeping it fun. So I guess a big part of the job is um, getting more people to play in the first place and then keeping them interested and keeping them playing, um, which probably isn't as simple as that sounds, but that's the gist of it. So. To do that, I think it's it's got to be fun from the start. Um, I think understanding again what parents and players want from the session. So some might want to be just playing once a week with their friends. Um, some might want to be taking a bit more seriously and playing teams or um, competing more on their own. So I think understanding first what people want to get from the session and then finding a way of being able to offer that. Um, it's a good way to go. I think encouraging them from a young age to kind of really love playing tennis and love being at the club then helps helps keep them there. Um, and I also think that I think sometimes we're guilty of kind of just having the coaching session and then nothing happens and you have your next coaching session and they play to have the coaching rather than the coaching being kind of a way of getting them to play the game more. So I think encouraging competition from a young age is good and and then you get all the the added benefits of that of kind of learning to lose and all the life skills that come from it um but yeah the main one i think if we can keep it fun i think that's a, a good start wise words very wise words someone who's who's never played our, our brilliant sport before someone's never played tennis why would you say to them they should play i actually we did a Zoom fitness session last night and uh, asked our group that. I said, oh, why? They, were, they were under 11 and said, oh, if you're speaking to your friends at school and they don't play tennis, why, why should they play? And pretty much all of them said, because it's fun. Um, so that was the main one. And that yeah. kind of helped with my previous answer of that's a big part of it. Um, I guess the, the fitness size, but also then I think it builds confidence quite a lot. So I was never massively confident as a child. and playing tennis and competing as I got older massively helped that um, to, where, to where I am now 
you can play at any age, which I guess there's not very many sports where that happens. You, yes. you, you kind of two to three year olds playing and then a couple of members who are early 90s now who are still playing each week. Um, brilliant. I, I just think that's brilliant to be able to play yeah. for that amount of time. And yeah, being being able to deal with deal with pressure as you're competing and you learn that if you if you stick with it and you improve, then results improve. I think there's a lot of good life lessons from it. One thing I was just pondering, you know, those those under 11s, they're good players. There's some performance players. And they said, first of all, fun. You know, so it's not just in the development area that tennis needs to be fun. And maybe that's why we see some children drop out in those teenage years, because it stopped being fun. Definitely. I think that's something, again, we need to be really careful of. That I can't remember who I was listening to the other day in a podcast, but they were saying you start off playing because it's really fun. And then you start to compete because it's quite fun to do. And then all of a sudden it all becomes about trying to win during the week and the fun drains out of it. And it's all about then trying to beat people and all of this stuff. And that that's then where the issues come, isn't it? Whereas if, if you can do all of that, but keep it in a fun way, I think that makes a huge difference. Do you know, I think it's a, it's a really fascinating one that just to think about. Certainly with the development players, I do everything I can to make it fun. But sometimes with performance, it gets more serious, more technical. And that's not necessarily a fun ingredient. So keeping it fun for those guys, it's a challenge, but we've got to do it. Yeah. And again, it's understanding what they want from it, isn't it? Because fun to them could be um, going away and playing for the county at County Cup. Right? And to do that, they then have to work pretty hard to get to the level where they can. So there's got to be a balance of kind of having fun, but also doing the right things and having the structure to improve. But I think, and being able to do that as a group as well works massively, I think, as well. If you have a group of similar players who are all of the right ability, it's more fun for them to train together and improve than always being on their own or with a different age group. Which I think is where we've, we've done quite well generally over the last few years of being able to get a core group of players together at each age group who can then spur each other on and practice together and travel to tournaments together, which helps the, the fun aspect. It's a bunch of mates and it comes back to what we talked about right at the start, isn't it, Alex? When your love of the game took off and it it it, it may have, it could have gone the other way if you didn't have that mm-hmm. bunch of mates. Really, really interesting. Um, Performance-wise, you know, we've already touched on them, but are there, are there other things that you'd bring out that you think make a really strong performance coach or performance programme? The coaching side, I never massively understand the difference between the two, so development and performance, because I think from a coaching side, the idea is that the player enjoys it and they get better, and that's probably the same no matter who you're coaching. If, if I was coaching a so-called development player and they weren't getting better, then I'd still think I wasn't in a very good job. And the same with yeah. a so-called performance player. If they weren't enjoying it or they weren't getting better, there'd be questions asked. So I think it probably doesn't change as much as we kind of think. I guess you maybe do more one-to-one work with the better players. So it's building up the trust and that relationship with them, which can take time. But what's the what's the quote? Um, no one cares how much you know until they know that you care or whatever it is so trying to really get that relationship with them where you know they know that you care about them and then they're more likely to listen and work hard for you I think so I think that's a big part of it um I guess that comes from doing hours outside of just the hours on court so I might be going to watch them in tournaments or 
know, giving them a call before a match or whatever it is and just sharing those extra little bits. Um, it's really interesting, Alex. I think the first time I remember us meeting up was our Stanley's very first tennis tournament when he was in Mini Red and you were down watching one of your players. Um, and I, I remember I, I wasn't working in tennis at the time. I was a tennis parent and talent a tennis volunteer. But I remember thinking, wow, Alex's commitment to his player here. He's come down to watch them. I think it was a Sunday morning. Is that something you try and do? Is that is that something you're committed to? Yeah, and again, I enjoy it because you, know, you spend all week working hard on something and then um, I'm genuinely interested in whether that's them working on a Sunday morning. Was it David Lloyd, I think? Um, yeah. And also, it then makes the job a lot easier if I go and watch somebody and you can pinpoint three or four things that you think, oh, this was really good or this could be better. It makes the next few weeks sessions then that bit easier because you, you know what you're doing you've got the buy-in from the player because you've had a chat at the event and said all right if you've just done this a bit better then you know, this could have been different um do you know you touched on something though Alex you said that it, the importance of the player and the family knowing that you care and I think there's no greater way of showing that you care about that child and how they're doing tennis wise and and the commitment to the family than actually going down to a tournament. It's a proper commitment. Yeah, and it's it is, but again, it it's something that I think is also part of the job to an extent. If um if I was the player and I was going off playing a tournament and thought the coach wasn't interested how it went. I mean, I'm not making out I'm at every tournament, I'm far from it, but <laughs> I would if I wasn't there, I'd like to think I would be still be interested so you know send a message and quite like getting the feedback from them so just get them to send a bit of a message afterwards or make some notes in a diary or whatever about how it's gone and then when they come back for the next session we can have a chat about it and get their thoughts on it um and I do massively think that competition is a big part of it because that it's a competitive sport so that's why why we play for a lot of people is to then compete at any level but to be able to compete and do better is is one of the aims of a lot of players, I think. Yeah, and you think that that I mean, in terms of that, you know, Alex, the, the tournaments are pressure cookers from mini red all the way up at times. How do you handle, you know, kind of getting your players to be able to handle the environment that is competing? Do you have any tips that you know that people can use because you've got a lot of players competing? I think trying to keep it. Um, as, as developmental as possible so try and say you know the idea of you going to play this tournament is to practice whatever we've been practicing this week um and i think the, the problems come when it becomes so judgmental about ratings and rankings and all of this stuff and if if the players go in thinking oh i need to win this match because everyone will think i'm not very good if i lose to him or whatever it is then that's a massive problem with the system and us as coaches and everything i think whereas if it can be go along, enjoy it, use this as extra three or four hours practice um, and just try and get better in that time. Uh, players play so many tournaments that if that was all just used as extra practice, that's a huge benefit to their already, the coaching programme that they're already on, I think. Um, it's uh, like marketing jargon, but positioning, how you position it to the player and the family, um, that, that it is about being develop, developmental and well, I chatted to Yasmin about this, Yasmin Clark, and about, you know, how did how did you play, not did you win? And it's really interesting for me. I, you know, it's something that 
as juniors I work with start doing more tournaments or whether it's Stanley, it's something that I think is so important. I think learning to lose as well from a from a young enough age is quite important, um, which fortunately I had lots of practice at Rob, so that was never a problem. But <laughs> I think I think you sometimes see the problem where someone's so successful at 10, 11, 12, and then at some point, inevitably, things get difficult and you start to lose. And the ones where that happens earlier, I think, can often deal with it a bit better. Whereas if it comes as a huge shock at 15, 16, that all of a sudden you start losing, it's mm. probably a bit harder to deal with or at an older age. Yeah, yeah, I get it. Team, important. Team competing. I guess that's another way of making it easier to deal with um, adversity is if you do it as a team. Yeah, massively. And I think... Um, I think it's a shame there's not more team events, really. Um, but also trying to create the culture, I guess, at a club and in programmes that it is a team, even though you go and play individually a lot of the time. If we can train as a team and keep those sort of team values, that makes a big difference. Um, I think being able to kind of run things as a trip as well. So we've we've been to Cardiff for the, or not last summer, obviously, but for the last few summers um, for the Grade 3 tournament. And there's about 30 of us that go. And then... That's brilliant because it's individual, but also you've got 29 other people sitting at the back of the court supporting you as you play. Wait, I'm, I'm making notes here. You're sorting, <laughs> sorting me out. Trips, get that sorted. Um, now, county tennis-wise, I, I really, I mean, you've got Ashby Castle because you're right on the border, haven't you? So you've got, what, you've got players from Derbyshire, you've got players from Leicestershire, you've got players from Staffordshire. So county tennis, how important is county tennis, do you think? Huge. For a lot of the players, it's it's the pinnacle, isn't it, of what they'll do in tennis. I think it's really something to strive towards. Um, and just that, again, that team atmosphere of you go along to counter training each week or each fortnight, whatever it is, and train with the rest of your team all year round um, and then go away for a county cup at the weekend is, is brilliant. And I think listening to some of your podcasts, Rob, the amount of people who come on and say, my best highlight was County Cup, or I really love County Tennis. I think if we can drill that in from a young age, that you know, it's a real, you should be proud to play for your county, um, it is massive. And some of my best memories as a coach have been from coaching at County Cup. I took the Leicestershire under 12 girls uh, maybe three, three, four years ago, um, and we won the national title, and it, yeah, it was brilliant. And been with the 14s boys, and made to the national finals to be able to sort of work as that team and have a better team spirit and just out fight the other teams and get through was you know, a brilliant weekend. And uh, I think this is what Derbyshire did, you know, which, which is a highlight we've talked about 2015. Mm. The sum of the parts was greater than the individuals. And, but, you know, they were playing people who played on tour and stuff and, and they came through and they won and it was the team. Amazing. I remember following the results online all of that week and, Text Ben a little bit. Yeah, amazing. Brilliant. Brilliant, brilliant. Um, now, I think one thing I've been massively impressed with, massively impressed with, the amount of video sessions you've sorted for your squads, you know, during this COVID time, fitness sessions, sessions on the mental side, like the one with Alex, Alistair Hyam, sessions with amazing coaches like Keith Reynolds. Do you? What was the thought with those sessions? And do you think you might utilise online moving forwards, even when we're back? playing on court yeah, the thought with them was um that we didn't know how long we were going to be off and part of it was selfish that I get bored very easily so if I hadn't put something on I wouldn't have known really what to do with myself um but also <laughs> kind of on 
on the court, I bang on about controlling the controllables quite a lot and all of this. And one of the players, I was moaning about the situation and said, oh, come on, let's control the controllables. But actually, yeah, pull myself together. And so we, we just tried to make the best out of the situation we had. So a lot of that was um, fitness Zoom sessions. So we're doing squads of about eight or 10 players. And I think we're doing eight or nine a week. Um, so it's just an hour each one. And there's obviously the physical benefits that will hopefully make it easier when they return to playing. But also for a, for a child to not be seeing anyone, it's easy now they're back at school, but to go that amount of time and not see friends and just be stuck at home with mum, dad, sister, whatever it is, I think so tough for that amount of time. So it gave them a, a bit of a release to yeah. see other people and made it easier for us to stay in touch with them as well, um, which was nice. And then, yeah, the mental ones, um, I think just a, a chance to work on things that we wouldn't normally be doing and giving the players that confidence that when they do come back, they've done done the most that they can to be as good as they can. So we've had a few hours to, as you mentioned, was brilliant. Uh, Julie Blackwood, the sports psychologist, um, and then Ollie Nolan and Vic Allen, who are both American unis and talked um, talked about that kind of route. And then you know, Talia, who's a member at the club, which at the National Academy, and Alex. And then Keith was inspired by listening to you because I was lying there <laughs> listening to him thinking, oh, this is brilliant. So I forwarded the podcast on to a couple of parents saying, what do you think of this? And then Keith coached my mum for years when she was younger. So I thought I could just give him a ring and see whether he fancies it. And I could listen to him all day. It was so good. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's brilliant, isn't it? Just, uh, just, yeah, I'm same, same. But I just think it's been brilliant. And so, is this something, you know, if you think about the importance of the mental side um, to the game, it's massive. Uh, tactics, massive. Do you think you might continue to utilize online? Yeah, I think so. Talking to Alex, one of the other coaches, the other day about it'll be perfect when, you know, if there's a, a wet weather session or if we can't get a court for something traditionally we'd cancel the session and go for the week after but there's no reason at all to do that I think we've proved that you can have a successful online session whether that's physical fitness stuff or mental discussions and that sort of stuff we've done some stuff where you know you we play some we play a video of some points and then discuss what we've seen and what could you do in this situation and how could that be better um so I think all of that and I think across the country as well it'll come in come in a lot more now because people are familiar with it and it works. It makes a difference. I agree. And I've got to mention this. You managed to get Judy Murray. How cool is that to appear on Zoom for your players? How did that come about? <laughs> yeah, well, a lot of people asked that in the lead up and I played it really cool and said, oh, well, you know, I just just sent her a message and she was happy to help. Um, and everyone believed that. And then right at the end of the session, she said, um, oh, just one more thing. Um, I get asked to do loads of these, uh, but Alex hounded me and hounded me on several different platforms <laughs> until I said yes, which isn't quite how I remembered it. But um, yeah, I, I sent her a few messages on different things, just kind of saying, this is what we're doing. It'd be great if, if you were around. Yeah. Um, and she was brilliant. She, she really was. She said she'd do an hour on a Friday night, which on its own is, is amazing. But then she stayed on for over an hour and was chatting to players and parents Um no, it can't speak highly enough. Isn't brilliant. that amazing? I love um it's a program Judy did. 
a fair while ago called Set for Sport, which was all about how her boys started playing uh, games around the house and how it's relatable to the skills you need for, for tennis or other sports. You know, just a simple balloon tennis, you know, just getting a balloon and you even serving, you know, you get your, your arm, you can learn so much. And, and I just thought that was brilliant and then end up reading the book and it, it's such a good read. No, she, she was brilliant. And I think there's a bit of a lesson there as well, that she's been so successful, but yet still gave up her time on a Friday night to talk to a group of people that she doesn't know. Uh, Passion's there. Um, now, it, it seems to me you work incredibly hard. Um, manage, do you manage to get time to relax? And if so, what, what are your passions away from tennis, Alex? I wouldn't call it relaxing, but I quite like playing golf. Um, so I've been trying to play maybe once a fortnight but coming back to not being good at doing things I'm not very good at I find it really frustrating so yeah I play um and love it when I'm playing well and then say I'll never play again when I've had a bad round so it's, it's one of those but we'll get back into it playing on good Friday so um we'll see, Mate, see how it now, is then, now clash of the castle could we do a sort of Derbyshire against Leicestershire against Staffordshire against Notts get a few coaches from each and have a class of the, clash of the castle golf tournament I like it I like it count me in Rob <laughs> that'd be amazing wouldn't it now then two questions Alex we ask everybody to finish um, if you were put in charge of world tennis and you could launch one initiative or make one change what would it be and why I think I would introduce more junior tournaments where you could have on-court coaching from your coach so um like county cup and some of the national stuff where the coach can sit on court and you discuss things at the change of ends i think for the development of the player um is really really important and really useful and we do a few at the club where it, it works like that and i think the more of those the better really so i would i would bring some of those in I think that's fascinating because, yeah, it doesn't happen that much, does it? But in terms of if a tournament is there not about winning and losing but developing, then that coach can help that experience, can help that journey, can help that development. Yeah, it helps the coach as well to understand what a player's feeling at certain times, whereas you're kind of guessing, watching from the side. But if you can go on and have a two-way conversation about it and they say, oh, yeah, I'm feeling really nervous or I hate it when they do that or whatever, then you can you know, work on that as you go through. Um, so that would be my idea. Great idea. I, I'm going to manage one of our, our Derbyshire County Cup teams and uh, I can't wait to be on the court and helping and I'll get experience of that at first hand. But yeah, no one said anything like that. But I know Alistair Hyam, it, it's something he loves is that on-court coaching. It's something you enjoy then. It must be a bit pressured as a coach as well, huh? I really enjoy it. I think it's great. Um, and you feel like, I, don't, I get quite nervous watching, which I try not to show, but if you're on the court, you feel like you've got more control over it as well, which I find makes it a bit easier. Um, so, yeah, looking forward to, to a couple of County Cups in, in April and May, hopefully. Bring them on. Bring them on. And finally, Alex, if you could go for a drink with anybody alive or dead, who would it be and why? I'm going to say Leighton Hewitt. Um because growing up, he was my favourite player. Uh, I think the first match I watched was him against Andy Roddick on centre court at Wimbledon. And I think to have achieved everything that he did, probably without being the most talented, but just sheer determination and hard work 
Um, and uh, I feel he's a great example of someone who maximised their potential. So I find it really interesting to talk to him about how he did that and what advice he had for people to do the same. Be amazing, wouldn't it? He works so hard. You saw that. What an example to any any junior players out there of, of how hard work combined with some some ability and some talent can mm-hmm. get you such a long way. I think going for a drink with an Aussie would be quite good fun as well, just generally. Um, or, or anyone right now, Rob. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, if, yeah, if I could go for a drink with anyone, hey, I'm taking along with your good self and later. Yeah, no, that sounds you're welcome. <laughs> Come on. Mate, it's been it's been so good to chat. Um, I really feel like a benefit of the podcast is, you know, that I learn as I as I'm on my tennis coaching journey and there's some great ideas. I hope I hope people are listening in terms of, you know, how to make the right uh, recipe for a successful club or how to do the very best you can as a coach. And I'm sure people have found it uh, interesting and useful. So thank you very much. Thanks for having me, Robin. Keep it up. It's good. Come on. Thank Take you. Care.